What's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Hamilton Train Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hamilton. I appreciate you in being here, whether this is your first episode you're ever listening to on here or you've been around for a hot second. Um, either way, this is probably one of my most highly anticipated episodes because I had my good friend, Jordan Syatt, who I'm sure all of you are already following on here. Um, just to like lead this up right. Um, every time I've ever asked, like, you know, on Instagram, done a poll, like, hey, who do you guys want on my podcast? Jordan is the number one most requested, um, most requested guest. So uh, I saw, shot him a message and asked if he'd want to do it. And he was down. A lot of people didn't know this, but Jordan and I actually have, you know, uh, we've been friends for a, for a hot minute. And uh, he's very much a brother uh, and a mentor to me. So uh, he graciously agreed to do this, and we talked about a lot of really cool stuff because um, Jordan is just a plethora of knowledge, and he comes from a very pure place and is one of the best coaches and one of the best people you will ever meet that gives you some of the best advice like that you'll ever find. So um, with that being said, I wanted to get him on here, and I'm going to quit talking now and play for you our conversation, and I hope you get a lot out of this. Talk soon. What's good, bro? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. One sec. There, there he is. Are. What's up, man? It's good What's to see up, you. bro? Good to see you, man. How's everything? It's good, man. What about you guys? Just chilling, dude. Just uh, have a little, little salad. Have a little LaCroix. Have there we a little go. Coffee. And that's pretty much it, man. What's up nice. with you? So I just got home. I uh, just chilling right now. So you guys, you guys, pretty quarantined over, over in New York. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They got a. Uh, actually, you know what? Let me just put this on Do Not Disturb because I can already see things coming through. <laughs> um, yeah, things are pretty insane here, man. The entire city is basically shut down except for essential workers. So grocery stores are open, pharmacies are open, um, but everything else is shut down. Yeah, I got you. We're, we're not quite there yet. A lot of, I mean, the normal big stuff is like, there's no mandatory anything like, like the gym that I, that I work out at isn't closed yet. And like, like oh, really? YMCA's aren't, yeah. And like YMCA's aren't closed yet even. And it's nothing but little kids and older people. So, um, I'm kind of surprised at that, but, yeah. um, yeah, but I don't know. So that's crazy. I would have thought that the gyms had to be closed by now. Mm -hmm. Me too. But um, I don't think there's any actual cases of, of, uh, of COVID around here yet. But I don't know. I think the uh, town north of me or south of me has some cases popping up. So it's probably going to shut them down anytime soon. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How's everything else, man? Everything good? Yeah, man. Things are awesome. So no complaints. So I appreciate you doing this, man. I know things are, I'm sure you're busy as hell right now. So I appreciate you doing this. So probably the least busy I've been in a long time. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I mean, always have stuff to do, but taking a very relaxed approach right now. Yeah, for sure. No, that's awesome. Well, we are recording. So, uh, yeah, so I appreciate you doing this and, and stuff, man. Um, I just want to get on here and basically let you make fun of my cowboy accent some more. So <laughs> <laughs> Dude, ever, ever since that started, like the whole, like me sounding like a cowboy thing, like I ask people all the time now. And, uh, it's, it's interesting cause, uh, there's a lot more yeses than no's I'm finding out, which <laughs> you sound like a cowboy, man. <laughs> <laughs> or 
every time I get on the phone with you, I feel like I'm talking to someone in the wet, and they're like deep south, or like the <laughs> uh, the western films, you know. Well, hey. but then when I I'll hop on the phone with someone from like Texas or like right downtown Houston, they're like, "Bro, you don't sound anything like us." So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, we're good. So. <clears throat> But, um, but no, dude, I wanted, I really wanted to get you on here and talk about this and do this because, uh, well, a lot of people don't know you and I already have had a relationship for a, a while now, you know? Yeah. We've been um, dating for a couple of years now. Yeah. 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 A little <laughs> bit of a rough patch here and there, but we're holding strong, you know, but, um, no, a lot of people don't, don't know that you're very much like a big brother, like a mentor to me. So, um, you know, I very, you know, I really wanted to get something, something going on here. And I think, um, in all reality, like what, what I love most about you is, um, is your heart, your, uh, you can feel your intention. And, uh, and I feel like I would be doing my audience a disservice by not doing something like this. So that's really why I wanted to, uh, to come on here and, and do this. So I appreciate that, man. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, <laughs> I, I know you do a, a ton of podcasts, so, um, I, I really think we can skip the whole like, all right, Jordan, tell us about your story. How is it working <laughs> with Gary Vaynerchuk? Tell us about West Side, because uh, because nonetheless, I mean, if people are following me, they they know exactly who you are. Um, and if not, there's a, I'm sure a thousand podcasts and episodes where you're talking about your story. So I figured we'd just dive right in. If that's cool. let's do it. Yeah, you're um, the boss, bro. You do whatever you want to talk about. We'll jam about anything. Well, I want, I still want um, you to talk a little bit about you, but as far as like, not like your background and your story, cause everyone knows that I want to know, um, and for you to tell a little bit about like, what's going on with you? What, what, what big projects are you working on right now that you're excited about? Oh man. Um, so working on finishing up the carnivore challenge video, um, which got a little bit of like a wrench thrown into things with all the, the nonsense, all the craziness we'll call it right now. Um, basically doing it remotely with Rico. So the, really? we did the whole, yeah, we did the whole challenge. Um, we did the whole carnivore challenge and then it, it ended like literally right before all the, the quarantining happened. So now it's, it wouldn't be right or fair of me to have Rico come over. It's just like, it's not, it's not okay. So um, basically I'm going to film the rest of it on my phone and then send him the clips for him to edit um so get that up on youtube hopefully within the next week or so um other than that um maybe just making more content what's interesting right now is there's been a serious shift in the fitness industry since yeah. since the all this started happening and it's i think it's really interesting to see and i think it will shift back but right now it seems like so much of the focus that was on fat loss has now shifted more towards health, which mm -hmm. I like. I think it's, it's a great shift. Um, and so now so much more of my content is going to be much more focused on how to stay healthy, how to get healthy, how to, and not just from the perspective of nutrition, but also exercise and mindset and day-to-day -day life. Um, so a lot of that, and then also a lot of my content is going to be much more comedic based. Like I think people need a laugh right now. Sure. So just a lot more just having fun and trying to just, sort of just chill out a little bit yeah no that's awesome that's awesome so jujitsu's on hold too then now i'm assuming more than more, more than more than everything or anything right yeah that, which really sucks because like i was going almost every i was going about five six days a week at least that's sometimes awesome. i was doing two sessions a day um but yeah for right now it's got to be put on put on hold yeah i haven't been to studying with that though 
Oh, so like, like a, online courses and stuff like that? Yeah, a lot of online courses, like a lot of Donaher's videos, John Donaher and Gordon Ryan, just looking at their uh, BJJ Fanatics videos. And there's a ton of tutorials on online as well. So I just, I've spent like hours a day watching that stuff. Really? That's cool. With my knee thing, like I haven't, like now that I'm, I'm, I'm walking now, this is like day three of walking with my knee injury. Day three. Yeah. So, wow. because I, because I've been, uh, because I haven't been able to go to jujitsu, but now that I'm like about to where I could, it's Corona season. So like everything, of course. but, but, uh, but I think it's probably one of the best, best things with shutting that all down. Cause that's like, if you want to talk about Jeremy, a Jeremy mess, like, <laughs> I don't know how much worse you could get than jujitsu. <laughs> so. It's literally like just rolling around and sweating on each other and breathing and caught. Yeah. It's like, it's the, the closest you can get to without actually having sex with somebody. Truth. <laughs> truth. Um, to be honest, I, I, I sometimes I think it's almost more personal than sex at times. <laughs> it's, de- um, it's definitely more strategic, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, one man's ceiling to another man's floor, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, what what actually got you going, getting into jujitsu? Because I know you were uh, you were boxing for a while. So, what what made you? But I well, I know you used to wrestle though. But like, what what made you pull the trigger with jujitsu? Yeah, so I mean, I wrestled my whole life. I wrestled from eight years old all the way to eighteen, and then that's when I switched to powerlifting. Um, and I just missed it. I missed being on the mats. I missed grappling. I missed rolling. Um, and I did jujitsu a little bit here and there. Um, but when I started coaching Gary, I never mind jujitsu, my entire fitness just went to, went to shit. Like I barely had enough time to sleep. Never mind do my own fitness because I was traveling all over seven days a week. So when I stopped with Gary and I started to get my own health and fitness back in order, uh, I realized that literally the best jujitsu gym in the world was a couple blocks away from me. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's where Donna teaches. It's Henzo Gracie in New York. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to start going. And um, at first I was only going about once a week. And then I was like, all right, maybe I'll go twice a week. And then, so for the first couple of months, it was just very, like very little, very little. And the more and more I learned about it and the more and more I started to fall in love with it. I was like, all right, this is like, I'm obsessed. So now, I just go basically every day when there's no COVID. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. Is there, um, is there been any major, uh, epiphanies, so to speak with, with all of that? Like, like when I, like when I got back into jujitsu, like I was seeing like all these correlations between like, like business success and jujitsu or, uh, fat, like with the same stuff I teach, like about fat loss with that. Like, did you have anything like that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a, a lot, which I really love. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, that one of my coaches, Mark, said to me, he was like, when you start, because I go in the morning, I go at like the 7 a.m. class. And so basically, rough. <laughs> like, when the way that he said it, and, and I loved it, it was like, when you start your day trying to prevent someone from choking you out or breaking your arm, then any obstacle you face the rest of your day seems relatively insignificant because like you literally yeah. just overcame the big, literally someone's trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, obviously you could tap out, but like essentially someone's literally trying to take control of you to the point where you have to tap out. And if you can come overcome that every day, then you, you essentially make yourself harder, more calloused, more resilient so that like whatever obstacles you face, you know, there's always going to be a way out of it. Uh, so I love that aspect. And another thing, and this, the more I do it, the more I learn, obviously, but I didn't submit anybody for the first three months that I did it. Um, and I come from a wrestling background. I come from a grappling background. Mm. So to come from that and then literally for three months straight, not being able to submit anyone every single time I go, 
it just, I, I think if someone had told me before I started that I'm not going to submit anyone for three months, I don't know if I would have believed them and I don't really? know if I would have kept doing it. Um, and I think it just goes to show that progress takes time, like in mm. anything, like you, it takes so much time to really get good at anything in three months. That's, that's a lot of time, a lot of classes, yeah. a lot of effort. And then, um, it's a lot of taps. It's a lot of taps. It's a lot of taps. I, I think it transfers to everything in life. I mean, it could be business, like how long it's going to take for your business to get off the ground or how long it's going to take for you to really start seeing big success with your body, your physique, your strength. Like it takes time. No, absolutely. No, that, that that's awesome. Well, and that's why when, whenever I got back in, into it, because I did uh, a lot other martial arts, but I did like jujitsu about eight years ago, maybe and not, but I kept getting injured, like big boy injuries. That's where like, like my sternum issue that I still have to this day was from eight years ago. But how did you get decided, that? Uh, <laughs> I was a white belt and uh, I had uh, a blue belt who liked to throw people around, do the biggest, nastiest Uchimata. And uh, if how most people do that throw is when you get Uchimata, your partner sprawls kind of out because if you break your toys, you can't play with them anymore. But he did it how you're supposed to do it in like a tournament setting or a real life setting. So he went Superman to Superman and destroyed 15 year old Jared, 14 year old, oh, 16 year old Jared. Man. Because if you do that throw right, you, you, if you make a big flippity do up in the air and land on your back and then the guy throwing you like straight up just sprawls out on your chest. And if you do it mean about it, you can like, I mean, not just knock the wind down of somebody or, you know, really take control over the fight, but like, dude, the dude fucked up my sternum for the rest of my life. Like, Jesus. like, like I can move, like, <laughs> you know how, like you can do this with your fingers. I can do that with my sternum. I can move it without touching it. That's so crazy. Like, like where like my collarbone, it would be like the tip of my middle finger in the bottom of my, like by my solar plexus. I can make my sternum do this without touching it. <laughs> and uh, oh. if I've been like on my computer all day, and like, uh, I'll be doing work and then I'll like sit up and stretch my chest open. You'll, my, my wife will hear it from across the room and go, Coo-coo! and it doesn't really hurt now, but she'll, she'll just look at me and she'll be like, was, was that your stern? And I go, uh-huh. So, <laughs> but, um, but no, that, that's how it happened. But I was, th- when I got back in, into it, I was thinking, when was the last time I loved something as just a hobby, just wanted to do it. And it was getting on the mats, but I wanted a hobby that had growth and failure attached to it because I think it applies for so many other areas in life, just like you just said. So, yeah, I love that, man. I was, it's so interesting when you're spending so much of your time focused on one thing and it could be maybe you're spending so much of your time trying to raise your kids. You're spending so much time trying to build a business. You're spending so much time. It's oftentimes you don't even realize that you don't even have a hobby. You don't even like, you sort of like, you don't have something that you really look forward to every day. Something you're super excited about. And I think you even see this in fitness. People start off oftentimes getting really excited about fitness. They love going to the gym. They love their workouts, but then either it becomes their job. They become a personal trainer. They do, they, it turns into something they want to build on their own. And then it turns from something that they really love and enjoy to work. And so like, mm. it's, it's easy to not realize when you don't even have a hobby and it's probably been one of the best things I've done for myself mentally and emotionally and yeah. physically to have something that I really look forward to. And I'm super passionate about. No, no doubt. Well, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting when you, you made a post uh, like about a month ago, I think uh, talking, maybe not even uh, about how, you know, cause you have your fit, your own fitness stuff and then you have Syat fitness and then growing 
socially on like YouTube and Instagram and stuff. And so there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that, like with mm -hmm. copious emails, copious DMs, just bigger level of influence, good and bad. So then you have more haters, more people wishing you get cancer or whatever. But <laughs> you, uh, I had someone wish cancer on me the other day. That was pretty cool. Um, I had that on Twitter once too. Yeah. People are crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, but you said you walked into jujitsu and no one knows who you are. So even from that standpoint, it was really good for here. I'm guessing. Oh my God. It's, it's so great to go. It's, it's one of those things that I think when you look at someone on social media or anyone and you see they have a big audience, a big following often, number one, you only really think about, well, how cool it must be or how exciting it must be or like all the positives that come from it. And it's a blessing. It's incredible. But like with everything in life, there are pros and cons, like mm -hmm. in everything. And for me to walk into a place and have nobody know who I am and I'm wearing a white belt. So like I'm the beginner, I'm the newbie, I'm the new guy. I'm like the one who sucks and to have them treat me like that. It actually felt really good. Like, it felt <laughs> yeah. really good, like to not be getting special treatment to not be like, like not, no one was like looking up to me there. Everyone was like, all right, this guy's, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. So it, like, it actually felt really nice to be in a position where I was like, I have zero responsibility here. I'm just going to look to the person above me and like follow instructions. It felt great. That's awesome, man. Um, no, I, I would, and I'm not, my, my influence isn't quite as obviously isn't like at where yours is, but I felt that when I started, because even not even from like people knowing who I am standpoint, but just like in, in my day to day, it was people are like coming to me, client, clients, audiences, like looking for me to get all the help and a answers. But when I got back, I'm like, what, I don't know. What's a shrimp? What's a hip escape? What's this? Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm an idiot because I put my hand here instead. Oh, I put my hand on the mat. Okay. I just got my, my shoulder locked down. Like I'm the idiot. And it, it, you're, I, I totally understand it, how good that feels. It's so funny too. Like, cause people ask me, well, should I eat this many times a day or that many times a day? Should I work out now or should I work out then? Should I drink this or should I drink that? And it's always like, whatever, whatever you want, whatever you want. It's mm -hmm. like, and, but I, I forget that that comes with experience and that comes with trying and learning. And so I'll be in jujitsu. I'll be like, should I put my arm here? Should I put my arm here? Should I do this or do that? And she's like, do what you want, man. Like you got to figure it out for yourself, man. Like try new things. And I'm always like, all right, like this is part of the process. The only yeah. way I'll know which one I like is by trying. Well, and that's the thing that I love with, in terms of like, if you look at, in my opinion, the most successful ways for anything, whether it's successful jujitsu game, successful diet, successful business is uh, they all have the same principle. Everything is from a sound principle standpoint, but so much of it is you have to make it your own. You know, it's like the principle of calorie deficit, but it's not your responsibility to say, oh, meal one, this meal two, this meal three, this. Whereas there's so much of that is going through like the rough patch and figuring it out on your own. I think there's a lot of validity with that. Completely agree. It's why I'll never tell someone to just not try keto because you never know who might try it and really enjoy it and really do well with it. It doesn't change the fact that if they're losing fat, they're in a calorie deficit. Sure. But maybe someone will actually, I mean, not me, like I love carbs, but hey, some people are going to love keto and that's great. Some people are going to love the Mediterranean diet. Some people are going to love intermittent fasting. It's like the only way you know if it works for you is by trying it. Sure. Well, and I think one of the best ways for a, a I guess if you want to call it a bad situation to serve someone is uh, like, let's say someone does keto and hate it. Say so know that boundary now. Like it's, I think it's hard to find balance if you don't know where your lines are, you know? A hundred percent agree. Uh, absolutely. The only way to find balance is to toe the line somewhere. Sometimes even go over the line. I think if you really, if we really look at the fitness industry and we really look at who most of the coaches are, 
most of the coaches are coaches because they got so into fitness in some capacity that they went way too far to the extreme in some sense. Yeah. You look at most figure competitors, and I, I'm going to be very deliberate with how I say this. Most figure competitors, most physique competitors have or do have disordered, disordered eating relationships. With I agree 100%. Like, and I deliberately did not say many. I mean, most, I would say mm -hmm. the vast majority, if I had to put a percentage, I'd say easily over 80% have disordered relationships with food. Yeah. Um, you look at nutritionists. There are a lot of underweight nutritionists. There are a lot of, and yeah. like, there are a lot of people who have, like, you look at a lot of coaches, they work out too much. They work out way more than they would ever recommend anyone else work out. I see this a lot with coaches now on Instagram, especially the ones talking about how like, they added so much muscle. Now they're eating like way more calories. It's like, you see these little, little people who are like, yeah, I, like I eat like 35 or 2,500 calories of my maintenance. I'm like, no, you do not. <laughs> what you're not telling people is that you're doing two hours of cardio every day. It's like, you're, that's not your maintenance. Like this is right. not, that's completely and utterly disingenuous and, and misleading. So I think if we're really going to be honest, like a lot of the reason that people become a coach is because they towed the line and they want to prevent other people from getting to that level. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I had a, cause I have a, a bunch of competitor friends that are like, like I've got their phone numbers and I would like call them really good friends of mine and I'd be making the content that I've been. And I, I had one of them hit me up like right after I posted something about like a more flexible style with eating and they went, wait, I don't have to eat every two hours. I'm like, no, wait, you're saying I don't have to do cardio fasted. I'm like, no, like, wait, you're saying donuts don't inherently store fat. I'm like, no. And he goes, bro, bodybuilding fucked me up. And that was his exact <laughs> word. Like, and I think that's, and I, I, I haven't seen data on this, but I'm convinced. I think a lot of the bullshit that um, that's in the industry as far as like false information and like eating every two hours, all that stuff and whatnot. I think it comes from the old school bodybuilding days where the only fitness was Arnold and you know, all these really big physique competitor people saying, Oh no, I get up in the morning and do fasted cardio. I have to eat every three hours. And then that's what the epitome of fitness was. And I think that's where a lot of that came from. This is my Absolutely opinion. Absolutely agree. Uh -huh. And that's where a lot of the, the warped, mindset and body dysmorphia and fitness comes from they're like if you don't have if you're not shredded and have a six-pack then you're not healthy or like yeah. you're like you shouldn't be a personal trainer it's like all that does is show this severe body dysmorphia throughout this industry mm -hmm. and and how it sort of bled into mainstream society through instagram yeah but well then i think then it goes to the other extreme where it's like you know, you can be healthy and not have an eight pack, but then it led to the other extreme of, oh, I'm healthy at any size. I'm like, no, you're going to die 20. Like, that's like saying healthy with any stage of cancer. Like, no, it's, it's, you aren't healthy at any size. You know what I mean? And I feel like, like with anything, there's, there's a balance and every extreme is bad. I couldn't agree more. It's uh, the health at any size community. I agree with much of what they say, but the extremists, they take it way too far. And what's interesting is how, how they laser focus on one aspect of health. Sure. They're like, well, just because you have higher body fat doesn't mean you're unhealthy. It's like, okay, well, first and foremost, let's take away all of the research showing like significantly higher body fat leading to, oh, like, yeah. uh, to various diseases, cancers, heart disease, whatever. But let's just talk purely about number one, we'll just discuss like your joint health. It, sure. is, it is very clear throughout the data that 
a higher body fat, like significantly higher body fat percentage makes you harder on your knees, your hips, your joint, like your back, everything. Um, you see all the time a lot of reports of people who've lost 50, 100 pounds, and all of a sudden them being able to finally walk. And it's really interesting because the health at any size community, the extremists will say, well, as long as you're moving and exercising, you're okay. It's like, yeah, it's exactly right. And who is not able to move and exercise? They're people who are significantly overweight. So if you aren't able to, or if it causes you legitimate pain, what the hell are you talking about? You have to lose weight in order to be able to move and exercise. Mm -hmm. Then not to mention, I think, and this is something that nowadays everyone loves to be like, I'm all about mental health. I'm all about mental health. It's like, but they really only talk about it on days that are like mental health day or mental health awareness day. They don't really talk about it any other times or they just completely ignore it. It's like, what if from a mental health perspective, losing weight makes you healthier and happier? Like what if you are a more confident individual because of it? What if it actually helps you get out and socialize more? Like people, they're only thinking about nutrition. It's like, well, what about interpersonal or intrapersonal relationships? It's like, this is all aspects of health, not just do you have a six pack or not? Right. No, I totally agree. Because I think the other big issue that I see in that same area is a lot of people think of health as a, a place they get to where it's more of a project. Like as in like, you don't get to a place where you never have to brush your teeth ever again, because or, good oral health requires maintenance every day, multiple times a day versus I, I think, versus I think a lot of people get to a place where they deem themselves as healthy, whatever one wants to call that, but then they can stop. And because it's a, it's a place like a house that gets built and it's not going anywhere versus it's so much like a project. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. But now let me ask you this. Um, cause I was, I was trying to think about how, how I, that's why I've been putting off this podcast for a hot second. Cause I'm like, how do I want to go about this? Cause I don't like, I don't think I'm, I, I just, I want to make the most out of it. And I want, I don't want this to sound like every other podcast that, that you've done. Um, so I was, I got thinking, what for, for you, what is, um, because you've been on a lot of podcasts, you get on a lot of interviews and you have a lot of questions that come through your day to day. So my question is, what are, uh, what are some things that no one is talking, talking about or ask, asking you that they should be? That's not really coming up. Like, like everyone asks you the same stuff or whatever the case is, but what are things that you in your gut think they should be asking and saying that's just not coming up? Oh man, that's a hell of a question. What are they not asking that they should be? Um, I don't even know if I, if I know the answer to that one, um, man, it's a really, really good question. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I don't know if this is going to directly answer the question, but I will say something that I think a lot of people ask me and I almost get, I think it's overblown. I think right now and for a while, it's almost trendy for when, when someone on Instagram or a coach doesn't know what to make content about. One of the more common posts that they'll make is you need to find your why. And they'll always like, what's your why? What's your why? Find your why. And it's like, you know that that person did not know what to write about that day. They're like, well, I just got to make content. So I'm just going to put out like, what's your why? And I think it's important to understand why you're doing things. But I also think that we all know why we're doing things like it's it like we're creating it to be this like mystical philosophical it's like we all know why we're doing stuff like we all know why we want to exercise because number one health but also you probably want to look good naked we all know why like we're eating a salad like yeah it's really good for you healthy but also it's going to help you reach your physique goal it's going to make you feel better blah blah we know this mm-hmm. 
I think too many people are focusing on the why because they think it sounds good and it like sure. spiritual stuff, which is great, but they're not focusing as much on the what. I think the what is equally, if not more important than the why. And I think focusing on the why is an easy way to distract yourself from what you actually need to do. I think it's a, it's a convenient distraction. It, it almost like, I'm not a big fan of self-help books at all. And I get a lot of flack when I say this, and I'm not saying don't ever read them or don't do them. But for me personally, I'm not a big fan of them. Not because of any one in particular, but because oftentimes people who are all about self-help books, they read 40 self-help books and never do anything about it. Like True. They, they get the feeling of accomplishing something from reading it rather than actually doing it. And I feel like when people just talk about the why, they feel like they're actually accomplishing something. They feel like, well, talking about why, my why, but they never get any closer to achieving their goals. They never actually do something that they can do consistently. They never actually end up going to the gym for several years straight. They never actually getting their, ever get their nutrition in check. No matter how much they talk about their why, they never do it. It's like, just because you're talking about your why doesn't mean you're actually taking action and coming up with steps to achieve your goals. I think if you want to talk about your why, great, but don't neglect the what. Don't neglect the actual plan that you need to put in place. And I think when you talk about your why so much, oftentimes you will create this idea that there has to be one answer because you have one why. So it's like, well, it has to be one answer. No, there's a million different what's yeah. you could possibly do. So just try, just go do it and try it and be consistent. Enough talking about like the what, the why and start doing something. Well, I, th I think it's very much along the lines, like you and I have talked about how like making to-do lists feel really fucking productive. Like when you make a to-do list about here's my at-home section of what I want to do around the house, here's my fitness to-do list and it's 20 things long. Well, here's my, uh, my dog to-do list. I got to go give him baths. I've got to do this. And then we got to subcategorize the to-do list into phases and like, and you'll spend two hours on a to-do list and it's like, I'll start it tomorrow. And then you have a whole other to-do list where it's like, it felt productive, but nothing happens. That's exactly right. And I love to-do lists. I think they're great. But yeah. that's also why for me on to-do lists, I limit it to five things. Yep. Same. Like if you're, and that's at most, if you're going to make a to-do list and you make your to-do list like a full page, that's literally solely done with the intent to just either reduce stress and which is great, but if you actually want to make a list of something that's practical and actionable and it's going to help you no more than five things. Cause that's the only way you're actually going to start mm -hmm. taking action. And it's only going to be realistic. Yeah. Well, it's also going to make you decide um, what your critical tasks are. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what's more important, uh, creating content for my YouTube channel that I said was really important to grow or, uh, giving my dog a bath today or tomorrow. Like it makes you really prioritize, you know? Absolutely. Um, no, that's really good. That's really good. So, so let's, let me ask you this. So with all of the people that you've coached in terms of, we'll talk fat loss because I got a couple things on this one. Um, what would you say? Cause like, if you had to put a number, how many people do you think you've coached over your life, over your career? My it's a huge career. Number. Oh man. I'd say probably at least six to 8,000. A lot, a ridiculous, an, enough of a case study where you can pick up trends and averages and what works as a whole and what doesn't and things like that. So um, what would you say the traits of, what are the traits of the, of the people who actually can lose the weight and keep it off forever? 
or for, for that have been successful with keeping it off as a, as a general, if you had to say, here are the traits of the most successful dieters who have successfully lost the weight and kept it off. What would you say those are? That's a great question. Um, I would say number one is the people who are the most successful in the long term are the people who they don't ex- number one, they don't expect it anytime soon. Mm. Right. And it sort of goes back to the jujitsu thing. Like I didn't submit anybody for three months. Like I, I can almost always tell within the first week of coaching someone, whether or not they're going to be successful. Sure. Purely based on how they respond to their progress in the first week, sometimes the first two weeks. But if I have someone in the first week freaks out because their weight didn't drop as much as they wanted it to, or because of what it's like, it doesn't tell me that they're not going to succeed, but it does definitely change my approach to coaching them. Mm-hmm. And what I found is the people who during the first week are very relaxed and they don't freak out at a weight spike or they're not like, they're not like up or down. They're very sort of neutral ground emotionally. They're far more likely to succeed because they know from the very beginning, this is going to be a long road. This is not going to be something that they get in a week or a month or maybe even a year. They're like, they're in this for the long haul. Yeah. So number one, they just, from the very beginning, if you, when you're approaching a new diet, you're approaching a new workout plan, if your like internal response is this is going to be it by the time I get to this end of this program, I'm going to be it. It's a, you got to switch that mindset Mm -hmm. because by the time you get to the end of that program, it will not be it. Like it's just not this. It's sort of like you were talking about. This isn't, this this is a project that you're always working on. It's the same type of thing. And the people who have that mindset are far more likely to succeed. No, that's, that's really good. Now that let me, I want to dig a little bit deeper on that. Now that you brought that up, how do you teach, how would you teach someone that when, so, so if someone's listening and they're like, that, <laughs> that's me. Um, I, I, the, the, the scale jumped 0.7 pounds up than yesterday and I had a panic attack and I, you know, in, when someone's in that place, how do you teach to get out of it? So that, that's like a really deep topic that we can go right. into. And I think that's one of the places that I think I have more experience than anybody in the world. And I mean, number one is I, tracked the weight fluctuations of thousands of clients over the years every day um and it took me a while to learn how to coach it but number one is just through education right so there's like if someone doesn't have the education or the knowledge they won't know what to do i think after a certain point education and knowledge becomes overrated without actual action right but first you actually have to have the education and knowledge so number one making sure they're aware that their weight is going to fluctuate and show them exactly why and tell them how you have to know that. And most people know that, but oftentimes they don't know enough. So for example, like I have this, what this 12 ounce can of LaCroix. So sometimes I'll, I'll be speaking with someone like, Oh my God, my weight fluctuated up by like, I don't know, half a pound or whatever it is. I'm like, if you drank this right now, (laughs) you would gain almost a pound on the scale. And they're like, what do you mean? And that literally, sometimes I've had clients do this. Say, go weigh yourself right now, and then I want you to drink a bottle of water and step on the scale again. And it's not just the knowing it, but it's doing that and seeing it that gets people to start to make those changes. The tie. Where, so now they know, they actually can see real time how these things actually work. Now, but some people, that's not enough. Like some people, they still get really freaked out. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that I made as a coach early in my career 
was coddling that behavior. I think earlier in my you career- You and I talked I was, about this. Yeah, I, I, I would coddle the behavior. I'd be like, it's okay, you're fine. And I think at the beginning, that's a good way to approach it. Like be very kind, coddle it, um, show them that nothing's wrong. But what I realized after a while, if you do that to someone consistently for three months, six months, a year, and every time they freak out, all your, your response is like, oh my God, it's okay, you're doing great, da, da, da. Then consciously or not, I think actually it's mostly subconsciously, they'll want that reaction from you on a mm. consistent basis. They'll have these, these freak outs, not even necessarily because they're actually freaking out, but because they want you to tell them they're okay. Sure. And, sure. and I realized that was actually handicapping people. So what I did, the, when I first start working with people, it's always very nice and very soft and very accommodating. But if I see this becoming a trend where they know it, they logically know all this stuff, they've had the lessons, they know it, but they're still freaking out, I'll get much more stern. And I'll be, I'll be much more like, almost like, I'll be very clear. And I'll say, listen, you are, this type of response to your weight spiking, when you know all of this, and you know this isn't a big deal, is completely and utterly unacceptable. You cannot react like this. It's not acceptable. And if you continue to do this, I'm going to have to find you another coach to work with. The response to that has been tremendous because now it's no longer, they're not looking for a reaction from me. It's sort of like if you're a parent and you have a kid and they do something that they probably shouldn't do, but you laugh and you, and then now the kid wants to do it again because you laughed and you do it again, they do it again and you laugh, they do it again, you laugh eventually they're going to do it and it's no longer cute and you're going to get mad mm. and it's not fair to the kid when you laugh an amazing for, for 12 times. So it's like when you have a client, you have to treat them in the way that they should, that they, that they need to be treated, not in a bad or mean way, but in a, you're the coach. It's mm. your responsibility way. You have to treat them in a way that will allow them to rise up to be their best self. And a lot of times that's through tough love and through showing them they need to act logically, not emotionally. That's no, that's, that's so good. That's, that's so good. Well, and, and, and I believe you said it. Uh, I think you said it was one of your favorite things that Gary's taught you was um, when, when it comes to acting on emotions, it could be one of the, it, it would be arguably one of the big, your biggest weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, I love that. So, so let me ask you the same question, but for strength, because that's the thing is because you're strong as shit and you're uh, everything from the deadlift world record to coaching some really, really strong people. What would you say some of the biggest traits are of really, really strong people out of all the, the, the strength coaching clients you've worked with? The traits of very, very strong people. You know, I'm going to say something <laughs> that I don't think a lot of coaches would like, but it's the truth. Um, you know, one of the traits of very, very strong people is they have a lot of very, they have a lot of nagging injuries. Um, and I, I like that answer. <laughs> I think it's important to say it because the, the idealistic side of me would say the people who are the strongest don't have a lot of nagging injuries because they very much focus on their technique, but it's not the realistic answer and it's not the truth. The truth is if you want to get very, 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 very strong, especially strong from the perspective of external load, barbell, dumbbell, all this stuff, you're going you're gonna to rack up some injuries. Even like we could talk about just body weight, calisthenics. Like there is zero high-level gymnasts that are like very, very healthy. If, in fact, if you look at a lot of high-level gymnasts, they're, especially in the, the female population, their lower backs are jacked up 
from the way they land, from their extending the lower back, whatever it is. A lot of the men have serious hip and shoulder issues, um, knee issues from the way they land. Um, but either way, if you want to reach an elite level of strength, or even not elite, just a very high level, you're going to get injured. Like there will be times. And I think this is something that is severely under discussed and things yeah. that a lot of co- people don't want to talk. A lot of coaches don't want to discuss it. They don't want to talk about it. And I think partly because they've probably never been that strong, but like, that's just the truth. And it's not to say that you need to get injured in order to be a good lifter, but it does mean that you need to uh, adjust your expectations. And if you really want to dedicate yourself to becoming a high level lifter, you have to understand that what comes along with it is some nagging pains and injuries, which isn't my way of saying, great, so be okay with injuries. It's my way of saying, maybe you don't want to be a high-level lifter. Mm. Like, maybe you just want to get stronger and you want to feel better. And that's also why during a time like this, when you're quarantined and maybe you don't have access to a gym, it's probably a good time to take some time away from the weight. (laughs) And focus on mobility, focus on body weight strength, set a new push-up goal, set a new mile time goal, whatever it is. It's like, if you, if you really want to be a high-level lifter, then you better be okay with having it. Like, I don't know any high-level lifters who've never struggled with an injury. And I, just like I don't know any, any um, high-level jiu-jitsu athletes who don't have serious injuries that they get over time. Like, at all, meniscus tear. <laughs> it's exactly right. I, and it's one of those things, like, if you look at high-level fighters, one of the things I'll always say is you never go into a fight hundred percent healthy sure. ever. There's always a nagging pain, always injury. I never went into a power ups in competition, hundred percent healthy. There's always mm-hmm. a nagging hamstring. There's always something going on with my lower back. There's always something up with my wrist, always something going on. It's like, which is why you really need as coaches, we need to make a huge effort to educate people on the difference between training to be a high level athlete training to be a coach versus training to feel and move better mm-hmm. no i totally agree that's something that i need to work on myself that's a, i've never even really thought about it in that context before but go, going back to what you mentioned even about the fat loss like with the emotional response to the scale going all over the place where the reason is is because their expectation got broke they are expecting right. it to go down and never come back up again so on the same notion with with the strength side if you are expecting to never get hurt that could really fuck up your experience that's that's a really really good point absolutely now kind of tying that a little bit differently because I, I know we're going a little bit all over the place with everything we're talking about because so this has been a very high demand episode of the podcast like, <laughs> uh whenever i'd like put a feeler out on like instagram about like doing a q a about hey who do you guys want on the podcast it is uh first place Jordan and then nothing but it's either Jordan, 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 or Jordan, Jordan, Susan, Jordan, 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 <laughs> Susan, Jordan, and Susan, uh, Susan and I were talking the other day, like Susan's been on here twice and because everyone loves her. Um, but we're talking about trying to, f- if we can manage the schedule, get the three of us and do one. If we could, if yeah, we could let's that do happen, it, man, that'd be, that'd cool. be great. Her um, and I literally just did that with someone yesterday. Really? Yeah. Well, so, absolutely. Absolutely do that. That's awesome. Um, well, because in, in as far as what everybody's been, I mean, and then everyone's, uh, as far as what they're wanting to talk about, it's been a little bit all over the place. So that's why I'm trying to cover a lot of ground with, with these. But um, dude, I can always hop back on, especially right now with the quarantine. Like, I've got sure. a lot of time. So I appreciate that, man. No, <laughs> Anyone who says, unless you're a nurse or I mean, actually, you know what, who probably doesn't have a lot of time is a lot of people working at grocery stores right now. Uh, okay. Working at grocery stores, pharmacists, uh, medical professionals, they don't have a lot of time. I'm a personal trainer. <laughs> I've got a lot of time. <laughs> That's funny. 
Um, now tie, tying this together with happiness, because I, I love your perspective on like everything for that matter, but especially what I'm about to talk about, what I'm about to ask you is um, a lot of people are attaching their happiness to X outcome, whether it be, I mean, we see this all over the place. I'll be happy when I make the money. I'll be happy when I get the car. I'll be happy once I make, make babies. I'll be happy when I lose 80 pounds or whatever. Um, but that rarely happens. I would argue ever happens if someone's basing their happiness on that. Where, where do those two worlds meet? Which two worlds? Happiness and achieving External goal? outcome. Yeah, the external outcome where people are setting their happiness based on said outcome. It's like, look, I, I'm overweight by 100 pounds. I know for me to reach my potential of whatever, I need to do this. But how to, where that balance is between improving myself, but your happiness being predicated on that outcome. Yeah, I mean, this is a great question. And I mean, I'll start by saying I don't think I have the definitive answer. This is sure. like a deep, deep philosophical question, mm -hmm. if you really think about it. But I'll tell you what I do hate. I hate it. And I see this all the time when I see people being like, just enjoy the journey. Just enjoy the journey, the process. It's like, yes, I agree. Like you should. But I, it's sort of like saying, well, if you want to lose, just, just lose the weight. Just lose it. Just, just be happy. Just, just love yourself. The weight. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, of course, enjoy the journey. But it's really fucking hard. Right. <laughs> it's like. I'm hungry. Like, I like, what do you mean enjoy the journey? And I, I, the reason I don't like it is because as a teacher, as a coach, yep. I always try and find practical things to teach people, things that they can actually put into action. When you just say, just enjoy it, I'm like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yes. what, it's, 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 imagine you eating something very bitter. You're like, you take, you take, I don't know, a, a bitter candy that's just disgusting. And someone's like, just enjoy it, enjoy it. And it's in your mouth and it feels, it just tastes awful. <laughs> and there's like, but just enjoy it, sweetheart. Just, in, I'm like, fuck you. It tastes <laughs> terrible. So for me, I think number one, instead of, I, I think so, so much of what I do is to try and make things realistic, yeah. not idealistic you have to let people know like it's gonna suck parts of it. it's mm -hmm. and you have to be okay with that and you have to ask yourself is the juice worth the squeeze is the goal that you're trying to attain worth the suck because if it's not worth the suck then you drop it yep. if it is worth the suck stop complaining because no one wants to hear it mm -hmm. and just do it and the more you do it the better you'll get at it, the easier it will get. And really what people enjoy, when they're really saying enjoy the process, you're really enjoying finding the small wins along the way. Yeah, That's really what you enjoy. You don't enjoy like the, the annoying stuff. You just don't. What you enjoy is the small wins that increase your motivation that lead to more small wins. Mm -hmm. It's those little mini spikes. And I think when you say just enjoy it, like, you're not enjoying all day, every day. Every moment isn't just like, oh, I'm just enjoying it right now. It's not how we work. What you enjoy is when you see that your hard work is paying off. Yep. And I think what a lot of people have to do, and this is more of a practical aspect is, 
you have to set smaller goals along the way that will allow you to enjoy the process more. When you're only focused on, well, I'll only be happy when I lose 100 pounds, then you're probably not going to lose 100 pounds. And if you do, you're still not going to be happy when you get there. But if you set these smaller goals along the way of the five pounds, the 10 pounds, you set these markers along the way, then you can see that your work is paying off. You get to enjoy it more because you see that your efforts are actually being put to good use and it's working. And then once you hit it, oftentimes what will happen is once you reach a goal, by the time you reach it, your goals have changed. You have a new goal, right? I would agree like with that completely. No one's lost 100 pounds in a week. As you're losing 100 pounds, once you get to 50, 60, 70, 90 pounds, and it becomes realistic, it becomes something you can actually do, now you're like, well, what else can I do? And so the goal of losing 100 pounds is no longer as crazy as it was 90 pounds ago. Mm -hmm. So as you're achieving it, you're making new goals. And that's life. That's yeah. like one of the most amazing parts about life is that the the journey and like and the journey enjoying the journey it's it's always ever changing it's ever yeah. moving and when you you enjoy it when you set new goals and when you can achieve those goals and understanding that achieving a goal is really probably never going to be the most enjoyable part of it it's actually the process yeah. of, of working towards that i remember my goal for the better part of a decade was to do the four times my body weight that was my goal. Like for a better part of a decade, the most fun I had were all of the PRs leading up to it. Sure. Was every time I hit a new personal record. When I actually did it, and there's a video of me doing it, I put the bar down and said, I'm done. Like I was just like, mm. oh, okay. And I actually had a little existential crisis when I did that because after I hit four times body weight, I was like, I, I mean, I don't want to hit 4.2 times body weight. Like I don't want to hit five times. I'm, I'm done with this. Mm. And I didn't know what my next goal was. I think that sets the stage for understanding how important goals sure. are. Yeah. It's like, and I think that's what sort of we naturally do is as you get better, as you get better, as you get closer to a goal, well, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? I think a lot of people almost discourage that. Well, just like, don't, don't have all, like be happy with what you have. Like, fuck that. Absolutely yep. not. What a terrible way to live. Just only be happy with what you have. It's like- Like you max your potential out right now. Like you're good. This is it. <laughs> it's, I think it's really terrible advice because number one, realistically, is anybody just ever just happy with what they have? Has anybody ever just been happy with what they have? I think it's one thing to be um, optimistic. Like be optimistic with with what you have to come and be- try to be in a good place as much as you can. But when you stop trying to achieve something else, you stop improving altogether. Right. Yep. No, I totally agree that uh, the concept of the best I think I've ever heard it put was the blissful dissatisfaction, where it's the very balance of the dichotomy of both of those, where you're still progressing towards the next thing, but still in a place where you're enjoying the journey, but it's not so much on one side or the other. I think that that's really good advice. I love, yeah. Like a lot of people say always happy and never satisfied. I don't like that because you're never going to be happy all the time, but right. I do like always optimistic, never satisfied. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, I like that a lot. Well, I think a lot of, I think people misconstrue optimistic to think that negativity is like yes. never a thing. Opt optimism, though, at least in my head um, is always a, uh, I think it's extremely tactical. Like right now, coronavirus is obviously a thing to respect and realize, but being optimistic about it, like, no, we'll come out of this. No, it's, 
it's I'm it's fine or it'll things will get better. I think I think choosing I think being optimistic is uh is is very tactical, but I think a lot of people misconstrue what it actually is. I completely agree. They definitely they they conflate optimism and positivity. Positive um, vibes. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's not the same thing. Uh not I listen, I don't think if we're looking at coronavirus, we're looking at like the actual virus, nobody's positive about the virus. I was right. like, this is, this is really a great virus. I mean, from one, like, it's a very smart virus. It's a very like, it's an intelligent virus. Truth. It waits, it, some people don't even know they have it and they can spread it. It's a, from a virus perspective, it's a very intelligent virus, mm -hmm. but nobody is like, oh yeah, Corona. But what, what the difference between positive about the virus and optimistic is that understanding we're going to be okay. Like there will be devastation as a result of it. There already has been, but we're going to be okay. Just mm -hmm. as a whole, we are going to. And I made a post about it the other day and overall the positive was very good, but it was interesting to see the, some of the negative responses of some people being like, I don't, I really don't think we are. It's like, what a terrible world to live in like in your own head where you can't get past. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about studying the Holocaust. I, I, I'm obsessed with the Holocaust. I love reading about it. I love studying it. I, I worked with Holocaust survivors when I lived in Israel. One of the coolest things for me to hear from the Holocaust survivors I worked with was how they, how they got through it. Like, how did they get through it? Fuck Corona. That's a brilliant like, question to ask. Try, try living through the Holocaust. Like, are you out of your mind? Like, it's insane. And one of the, like, the, one of the consistent answers that I found, and, and you can read through different Holocaust uh, stories and different accounts from people, is hope. And hope is another, is another way of viewing optimism. Like, mm -hmm. hoping that at the end it's going to be okay. You have hope that it's going to be fine. No one hopes for negativity and, and a bad outcome. Everyone's mm -hmm. hoping for something positive and optimistic. And when you lose hope and you lose optimism, what, what do you have left? There's nothing, nothing good left. Like why, why bother fighting? Yeah. It's, it's like when you choose to be in a very pessimistic, negative mindset, you are choosing to give up. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Once someone loses that foundational uh, side of a belief system that, you know, this could be better whenever, like, there's no point. Like that, that's such a, that's such a good point to bring up. Yeah, man. Oh. Uh, I think we can no. learn a lot, like, learn a lot of lessons from jujitsu. I, I, I learn a lot of lessons from the Holocaust. It's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the things that no matter how bad something gets, like my mind always goes to like, I'm not in the Holocaust. Like yeah. this is always like for in a very weird way, I can look at any situation and be like, I'm not in the Holocaust. And all of a sudden I'm more positive. Mm -hmm. Like it's just perspective where it's yep. like, no matter what happens, I can always say I'm not in the Holocaust. And I, I think mm -hmm. some people are gonna be like, I can't believe he's saying that, but it's true. It's like, yeah. you can choose to look at how terrible something is or look at how lucky you are relative to something else. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Um, like I was talking to a friend about this the other day, uh, not with the Holocaust, but that same kind of perspective where people are like talking about how terrible what's going on is. And I'm, I'm not trying to downplay, it's obviously, obviously a thing, but in terms of our quarantine is with Netflix, internet and running water. Like our, our family 
the distant family who fought in like world war one who was in the holocaust all that they would be like you guys are a bunch of fucking pussies like you're quarantined with netflix get come on like a hundred percent a hundred and like the main worry is like i might gain weight or i might lose my progress in the gym the like that's i hear i get way more questions about like oh my god i'm worried i'm gonna gain weight i'm worried i'm gonna stress eat i'm worried i'm gonna like lose my my bench press is gonna go down or like i'm gonna lose my chin up progress i just got my first chin up or whatever it is versus like no like i'm actually really concerned about the life of my children mm-hmm. or like losing my plate like you know it's like and yeah. that stuff does exist there are serious issues with that right now like i think that's why I, taxes are going to be delayed by at least three months and like rent can be frozen and bills can be frozen and, and all that. Like, and again, not downplaying the devastation that's going on right now. Like it's, there's a a lot of terrible, terrible things, but number one is perspective. And number two is Mm -hmm. it's still going to be okay. Yeah. You'll listen, my business is taking a hit. Like absolutely business is taking a hit. Sure. And like, there's a lot, like my mom is the literal demographic of someone who is like the, the most at risk for dying. It's scary as shit. And like on the positive note, I've spent every day talking to her. And before this, I spoke about twice a week. It's like, this has done so much good. And I sure. think a lot of people just overlook it. Don't only look at the bad. I agree. No, I totally agree with that. That's such a good point though. Again, going back to how being optimistic can be extremely tactical, especially in times like that. Absolutely. No, oh, that's huge. All right. One more question. Then we'll, we'll, we'll call her a day. Um, and I think, cause again, one of the things I love most about you is things like this perspective and just where you come from with um, what your intent is and, and things like that. Um, but it's not all fluffy mumbo jumbo bullshit where it's like, no, uh, like with start, yeah, figure out your why, but like, no, why don't you actually just get off your ass and go do something? Um, when someone has a lot of bad, I just call them bad habits. Let's say when someone comes from a place that they, they're like, all right, I'm ready to change my life, but I've got a lot of shit. Like they were there, everything from the way they think is bad, the way they act, they be, their, their exercise habits are bad. Their eating habits are bad. They're, they have all these bad um, habits and they're like, I'm ready to change my life, but I just don't know where to start. And obviously that's a very individual answer, but like generally speaking, how does someone start the change if they're in a really bad place? Yeah. I mean, that is, that's the million dollar question, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think the main differentiating factor that we'd have to clarify is like, well, what do you want to do? Like what, what's your goal? Right. So if it's someone for fitness, if it's someone for trying to, trying to lose weight, they're ready to get their nutrition in check. They're ready to start exercising. They're ready to stop smoking. They're ready to like really like start eating the right foods, whatever it is. Um, but they don't know where to begin for me let's say i'm talking to someone in that same situation i'll always ask them like well let me ask you this would you prefer to start working out or would you prefer to start focusing on your nutrition and i always like to start with what they prefer because i'd rather them do like number one i want them to choose Mm. but when they choose it becomes something that now they have ownership of versus me just being like well you need to do this because if i say you need to do this Oftentimes now they feel like number one, that whatever I chose is inherently better. And that if they don't do it on a day or whatever it is, then they failed. Mm. And I want to remove that as quickly as possible. So when they choose, they, well, you know, I want to start, I want to start off by exercising from a on paper perspective, losing fat, like it'd, it'd be better to get your nutrition in check first. But if I'm going with someone from ground zero, 
like I'll start with whatever the fuck they are most excited to start sure. with. Get the momentum rolling. It's like, and more often than not, when someone starts exercising, they're probably going to start eating better. They're yeah. probably going to start like other things will fall into place. So if it's, they want to start exercising, I'm like, cool, start by walking, just by walking, walk yeah. every day, like walk five minutes a day. If you can do more, great. But at least five minutes a day, uh, then slowly increase from there. Then start, whether it's body weight stuff or going to the gym one time a week, whatever it is, then like writing down everything you're eating. You don't even need to track your calories yet. Just write it down on a piece of paper, whatever you eat, write it on paper. The super simple things to get people, get the momentum rolling and start mm-hmm. actually doing, focusing on what rather than like, well, someone comes to me, they're like, okay, well, I, you know, I really, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do it. I'm not going to be like, well, why don't just tell me why? Tell me, tell me why. Let's discuss your why. I'm like, cool. Let's come up with a plan and then do that. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's awesome. No, I love that, man. Cool. Cool. Awesome, bro. I really appreciate this, man. Dude, this was a blast. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now I'm going to have all your, your, your uh, info like on in down in the show notes and, and whatnot, but um, anywhere in particular you'd like, uh, if, if for some reason there's someone that's listening, it's like, who's this Jordan Syatt fella? Uh, if someone's never heard of you, is there a spot you'd rather them go to, to, to learn more about you? No, you just the links in the description will be great if okay. they want to Google my name or YouTube or Instagram, but that's totally fine either way. Dope. Awesome. Well, man, this was a blast. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Dude, it was great. Thanks for having me, bro. Stay safe, all right? Awesome, man. Love you, dude. Love you, man. See you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I know it was a longer one, but um, I know you got a lot of value out of it. And be sure, if you're not already, be sure and follow Jordan. Check him out. Uh, But more than likely, if you're following me, you know exactly who he is and follow him already. But if you are living under a rock and don't do so, be sure and do that. Check out the links below um, where you can connect with him and whatnot. Um, Like I said, my goal with this was, um, I know Jordan does a lot of podcasts, but I wanted to ask some questions he may not normally get or whatever the case may be. So I hope you got a lot of value out of this. If you haven't already, be sure and do two things for me. Be sure and rank and review the podcast because that's how we get this podcast to more ears. And number two, if you thought of somebody throughout this, if you were thinking of someone like, oh, Becky would like this podcast or, oh, Sarah and I were just talking about that or whatever, I want you to hit the share button and share it to them because if you got value out of it, they did. And it's not fair to keep all this information just to ourselves. So um, if you could do that for me, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I will talk to you next time.